Let me let me just announce you, Jan. This is Jan Lamprecht in South Africa. Uh, he has AfricanCrisis.org as his website, and um, he is describing how the ANC uh, became kind of a communist terrorist organization over the decades when it when it initially began as as something else. And so, Jan, you were, you were explaining then this development of the ANC into a communist terrorist organization. Yes. Now, this was the the ANC, of course, went on its anti-apartheid campaign, and and it managed to get people in the Western world interested in in all the moral issues. It was a case of a communist coming and riding in on a white horse, claiming that he wants to save the people and all that sort of stuff. And so the ANC got a lot of support from the West, but the ANC at its roots was run by the Communist Party of South Africa and by its trade union um, organs. So they formed what is called the Tripartite Alliance. And the Tripartite Alliance consists of the ANC itself, the South African Communist Party, and an organization called COSATU, which which stands for the Congress of South African Trade Unions. Okay. And they have a formal they have a formal alliance which is known as the Tripartite Alliance. And this this makes all three organizations operate as one. Now they came to power in nineteen ninety four. But what Dr. Cummings of the CIA described was that over the years the CIA was trying to get get some sort of control over South African politics. And they, they already had made the decision back in this, in the 60s and even the late 50s that they knew that, that the white colonials were on their way out. And the Western world was already looking towards the black governments that were going to come in the future. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want Marxists, they didn't want communist terrorists running Africa. But the problem was that most of the black political organizations were all dominated by communists in one way or another. So initially they had a look. The, the most promising organization was, was one called the IFP, the Inkata Freedom Party, which was run by a Zulu prince called Mangasutu Butelezi. And he was very pro-Western. And the Americans and Germans actually supported him a lot in the hope that because he was a pro-Western guy, that they could help him to come to power. Mm -hmm. But as Dr. Cummings described, what happened was that as this conflict, as the ANC started trying to fight uh, the government in South Africa, they also started, of course, fighting the blacks. And this is actually a trend that you see in Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe, and and elsewhere is that when these communist terrorist organizations start coming in, they don't initially actually appeal to the blacks. The black people did not initially actually like these organizations and did not want to support them. So these organizations also had a lot of blacks that were against them. And then instead of fighting the whites, they spend a lot of their time actually fighting the other blacks and knocking out the black opposition. Hmm. And so so what happened in South Africa, which is not people outside the country and even people inside the country, this is not this is not something that's been written about a lot. Mm-hmm. But in the nineteen eighties and early nineteen nineties, a virtual black on black civil war 
raged in South Africa between the, between the Zulus of the IFP and the ANC. And it was a very bloody, um, clandestine type of uh, civil war that raged. Eventually, the CIA came to the conclusion that the IFP only really has only really has Zulu support, whereas the ANC, through its various methods and propaganda and and its aggressive tactics, was actually getting countrywide support. So eventually, the CIA came to the conclusion that that there's no point in supporting the IFP. The ANC is going to be the only party to support. And then what they do is what what Cummings described as moderation, which is basically works like this. The, the, the American government sees that these guys are going to eventually win. It might take them 20 or 30 years, but they see that eventually these guys are going to win. So what they do is they go to these... Um, Marxist terrorists and they strike a deal with them and they say to them look we're going to help you to get into power and but you know you sort of owe us something so they try and do this deal with strings attached and that and this is what Cummings boasted about in his 1995 article hmm. and if you, and it, and yeah, if yeah. you look at America Sorry, Jeff. If you look at American foreign policy, even right in the Middle East right now, you'll see how often American officials go to Hamas terrorists and all sorts of other radicals whom they say they will never negotiate with, and they actually start negotiating with them. So I assume that this concept of of what he called moderation, in other words, the idea is you take this radical organization, put it in power, but have these sort of strings attached to it, and then you say to them, you know, then once they're in power, you start calling in these favors. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is the sort of bottom line of, of the American foreign policy. <coughs> so, so they try to then... So it's a policy of, of uh, since you have to have, since the devil is going to come to power, you make a deal with the devil... And you, uh, yes. you, you try to, you try to uh, trick the devil into uh, uh, playing your game. Exactly, and then, and then this game becomes very interesting. And I'll tell you, Jeff, that that as I watched the news here in South Africa, um, I saw over the years, especially after I'd read Cummings's book, I, I, I listened to certain certain statements made by the ANC. And I could see that the ANC at times was very irritated by the American government. And, and you would hear some of these ANC officials comment that the American government um, actually tries to sort of strong arm them into doing something they don't want to do. And, and um, so this concept is at work, and these guys are operating like this all the time. And I suspect that it's actually a strategy that the whole Western world follows. And I'll give you an example of, of where I saw it in action quite interestingly was in this war on terror. There were a lot of, there's a lot of Muslims here in South Africa, and lots of these Muslims hate America. And of course, it's easy for Muslims from Pakistan and India and the Middle East to come to South Africa. And there was a lot of talk at one point that there are terrorist training camps here in South Africa and so forth. 
And then what happened was, so now you've got the devil in power in the form of the ANC. And the ANC obviously clandestinely supports terrorism against America because deep down they're Marxists and they don't really like America. Mm -hmm. But then you get the situation where the Americans now come along and they say, but we know that you've got some terrorists in your country. And what we found was we had these very strange news reports where all of a sudden they would say a couple of Muslim gentlemen have quietly disappeared out of South Africa and their families and their lawyers don't know where they are. And then, and the government will be completely silent about it. And then eventually the journalists start digging and they discover that these gentlemen uh, suddenly disappeared and they were last seen getting on an airplane at some military base and they are gone out of the country. And then people started realizing that, you know, obviously the government has a, the South African government is obviously handing over these terrorists to the American government. But it's all hush hush. So this is the kind of thing where these favors start coming into play. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look at a lot of South African politics and a lot of South African moves, you'll see, for example, one day the South Africans will be voting in favor of, say, Iran and its nuclear program. And then a while later, suddenly they won't be. And you, and as I viewed it, it all appears to be related to this arm twisting that goes on behind the scenes. I suspect that what happens is there's some kind of horse trading that goes on where the ANC says, okay, we'll give you these terrorists, but in return, you must give us something else, whether it's money or aid or or some kind of political influence or whatever. And um, I suspect that that's been going on for years and years. But it's a, it's a kind of an uncomfortable relationship as well. Hmm. And, um, but, but it's a relationship that is real and, and it works and this is how it works. Now, what happened, of course, is the ANC, the ANC was led, led initially by Nelson Mandela when it came to power. And I heard from somebody who had a contact in in the president's office that when Nelson Mandela came to power, <coughs> this is another example of moderation at, at work. Mm-hmm. When Nelson Mandela came to power, he was very pro-communist. And Nelson Mandela said openly that he was not going to to attack his friends. He was not going to attack the Russians and he was not going to attack the Cubans. They'd been his loyal friends and he was not going to turn on them. And when Nelson Mandela came to power, I still remember in the news, and I'm sure I still told you at the time, that all of a sudden we were getting these news reports that the Russians were here and the Russians were going to um, work with our military technology and we were going to exchange things and we were going to put Russian jet engines into our fighter jets and we were going to give them tank technology and all sorts of stuff like that. And we heard that for a couple of months, and at one point we even had the Russian Air Force here in South Africa, and they were doing military exercises here. And then as the months and years went by, you never saw that again. Mm-hmm. The Russians quietly off the scene. All this talk of cooperation quietly died, 
and everything changed. And that to me was also a case of, and even, even Nelson Mandela's rhetoric, um, they started out with all these communist programs and then it's, then it sort of quietened and chilled down and, and you didn't hear that much. And then Nelson Mandela was going to pick a successor. And the successor he was going to pick was a guy called Cyril Ramaphosa, who is a very hardcore communist. Some people label him a capitalist, but a general in military intelligence told me that this guy is hardcore communist. Nelson Mandela wanted to pick Cyril Ramaphosa as the next president. But then suddenly, instead of picking him, he picked a guy called Thabo Mbeki. And Thabo Mbeki came in out of the cold. Nobody really knew to knew too much about him but it turned out that he had spent much of his life in Europe and he was well connected in Europe so he actually took over the country and he ran it for the next eight years and Tabo Mbeki was much more friendly to the USA but he was very subtle about it and what happened was his term was going, his term is up at the end of this year. Next year a new president has to come. And his successor is a guy called Jacob Zuma. And Jacob Zuma is another hardcore communist. And what happened was, just a couple of years ago, suddenly Tabo Mbeki started turning on Jacob Zuma and started attacking him. And he started out by firing him and claiming he was corrupt and all that sort of thing. And I was at the time busy reading these CIA things and I was having a good look at this and, and it looked, and I was sitting and wondering to myself whether in fact Jacob Zuma was the next hardcore communist coming to take over from Mbeki and whether Mbeki with all his Western links was more friendly towards the West, even though Deep down, Mbeki supports Robert Mugabe and he supports all sorts of other communist policies. On the surface of it, he appears to be friendly to the West and he takes the West quite seriously. And what's happened is that this split that started with the firing of Jacob Zuma became quite a vicious business where Mbeki fired Zuma immediately. Then the communists and the trade unions uh, this then the tripartite alliance started kicking in because Mbeki, as the head of the ANC, unilaterally fired Zuma. But the tripartite alliance, which includes the Communist Party and Kosatu, turned around and said, but the alliance says you don't make major moves without consulting us. And so then the Communist Party started realizing that Mbeki is on his own power trip. And they, they then took Zuma. They helped to save him. And then they came back, and in a clandestine campaign that was extremely successful, they they actually said publicly that they were going to take the ANC back. And a year ago, last December, at um, an ANC congress, these guys came in out of the cold, and they actually threw Tabo Mbeki out of the ANC. They actually they didn't throw him out, but they replaced him with Jacob Zuma. And ever since then, the fight, the fight has just been getting worse and worse and more acrimonious. And you will remember that just a couple of weeks ago, Jacob Zuma threw Tabo Mbeki out of, out as the president.
And so now the hardcore communists on the left have taken over. Now, the way that I see this is, the, in my view, what has happened is that the ANC has actually been split by this Western attention. And the West has... The West has not gotten rid of the communist influence in the ANC completely, but the West has managed to get hold of blacks in the ANC who either aren't communist at all or who recognize that the real source of power in the world is actually the West. So I actually um, have been using the term of Western communists and Eastern communists, where my, defi- where my definition of an Eastern communist is an original communist who is loyal to the Russians and the Chinese and to the original principles of the revolution. And the Eastern communist believes in Marxism and he believes in the blood revolution, the killing of people, the seizing of property by force, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Whereas Taba Mbeki is a Western communist. In other words, he's not a liberal and this is where a lot of mass media people make the mistake. They think Tabo Mbeki is a pro-Western guy or a, or a liberal guy. He's neither. Tabo Mbeki is also a communist. He supports Robert Mugabe. He supports land reform. He supports the kicking out of the whites. He's, he's very socialist in his policies. But the thing that Tabo Mbeki always did was he ensured that at least superficially – he was always on good terms with the West and with America and whenever and he never and he tried to create the image of South Africa as a pro-Western nation even though he was following a lot of socialist principles. So what I so the way that I see things is that the Eastern is that the Western communists are the blacks who realize that they can get money and power from the West because the CIA will come to them and will give them money secretly. The U.S. government will give them aid openly. They will give them um, a platform to stand on, and they won't vilify them. They will praise them. And so you now have this split developing in the ANC as to which way to go. And this split is actually so fundamental. The split... The split in strict ideological terms is not that big because they are all communists and they still believe in socialism. Mm -hmm. But now it becomes a thing of loyalty. And boy, are these guys fighting each other like you cannot believe. And now what's happened, the latest move is since Mbeki was thrown out, um, we're expecting that about a third of the ANC's uh, members of parliament will abandon it and go to a newly formed political party which is going to represent these kinds of views. But it's quite a fight between them, Jeff, I will tell you. Now, uh, what method was used to get Mbeki out of power? Uh, well, how did they, did they impeach him? What did they do? Actually, um, apparently in our constitution, uh, the way it works is that the president is actually appointed by the political party that is won the most votes, something along those lines. So all they did was, and apparently the technique is 
is apparently one that has been used in Eastern Europe. Apparently, it's quite as simple as the political party says that they will recall the president because mm. he's a member of the party that appointed him. And so they say, we recall him from his duties as president and we'll put another guy in his place. And that's oh, exactly that's, what uh, they did. That's, that's the way it worked in communist Czechoslovakia. They had a similar... Uh, the president was not elected by the people. He was appointed or rather elected by the legislature, uh, by the dominant yes. party in the legislature. So that, that's, uh, that is interesting. That is interesting that they operate on an East, East European basis. Now, wh what do you suppose? Is, do, you see, do you think that the CIA has seduced these communists into being good commies as opposed to bad commies by money or is there a combination of, of different kind of diplomatic initiatives and threats involved in it? I think it's quite a complex process that they have. I think it's a combination of carrot and stick principles. And, you know, for example, I could never understand why Nelson Mandela, who's a hardcore Marxist communist who went to jail for acts of terrorism that are no different to what Al-Qaeda um, carried out against America, how come the Western world praises Nelson Mandela so much? And the only conclusion that I can come to is that the Western world heaps all this needless praise on Nelson Mandela is simply because Nelson Mandela eventually decided to rather walk the path of peace in agreement you know, with some deals with the West rather than just carrying out a race war. Mm -hmm. And um, as I can see it, it's a combination of things. You know, on the one hand, Jeff, you have these guys with their socialist promises. They've come to the blacks and they've said to the blacks, we're going to build you houses, we're going to give you jobs, all this kind of stuff. Now, all of this is, you know, this whole building, giving you free houses or cheap houses, that's socialism and it comes with a hell of a price tag. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, economies cannot supply the money so I think this is where the western world comes in with cash and the, and the western world gives these guys enormous amounts of aid and all these western countries pour billions and billions of, of dollars into South Africa and they say nice things about them and they give them all sorts of recognition and they put them on podiums and you know George Bush comes and visits Tabo and Becky and he says oh you know Mr. You know, President Mbeki is my wingman in Africa. Hmm. And uh, that was a junk. I mean, President Mbeki was pretending to do something about Zimbabwe when, in fact, he was doing nothing but support Robert Mugabe. But you know what? It kept the Western world happy for a long time. The Western world didn't even know how Tabo Mbeki was playing them as well. So it's a so strange sort of... Strange bedfellows. So these people who sell out to the CIA, in a sense, they compromise themselves and they have to tell their colleagues, oh, look, I'm just stringing the CIA along. I'm just taking their money. But we've reached a yes. point now within the ANC that that no longer flies anymore. And the hardline communists yes. are saying, all right, enough is enough. We've played the CIA's game long enough. We're not taking their money anymore. We're not playing their game anymore. We're going to carry out the revolution. Yes, you see, what happened was, I will tell you, I think the CIA's moderation of the ANC through the agent of Tabo Mbeki actually worked quite well. Because I think 
even you know when I was watching the, the the firing of Jacob Zuma, I was following the stories in the news very closely, and I could see from the news stories that because it started with another trial, there was another trial before the firing of Zuma. It was it was a it was a trial to do with a Muslim guy, a Muslim businessman called Shabir Sheikh, and he was put on trial. After they did a lot of preparation, it was like about two years worth of preparation before they put this guy on trial for corruption. And when they put him on trial, his defense attorney still said, this trial is not about Shabir Sheikh. This trial is about a bigger fish, and the bigger fish is Jacob Zuma. And nobody really took much notice of, of this when they said it. And the minute that, the, that, that Shabir Sheikh was found guilty, I kid you not, it was like the very next day, Tabo and Becky got up and said, well, you know, uh, Shabir Sheikh has been found guilty, and the evidence points to the fact that one of his corrupt people was uh, Jacob Zuma, and I'm firing Jacob Zuma right now. And when Tabo and Becky made that move to fire Jacob Zuma, it caught the, the Communist Party and Kosatu completely off guard. They had watched this thing and they never believed that Tabo and Becky would stick a knife in their back. And when it happened, they, they came onto the media and they were saying, what's he doing? Um, he should be consulting us. Why didn't he consult us? This, that and the other. And then you could see that this whole thing actually caught the communists off balance. Then what Tabo and Becky did was he tried to also um, because he only had two terms as president, he was trying to then make moves to have his to have that extended so that he could stay for a third term, mm. and he was trying all these moves to now seize power. And then, then the media was starting to say, "But you know what you have here is the ANC is now is now acting like an independent political party. It has dropped off its alliance members." And then, um, then there were all sorts of questions. The communists were debating. For example, the communists at one point said, should the communist party go and register as a political party and stand for election itself and take on the ANC? And that was one of the propositions that they came up with. But then after a time, and I was probably the only person who noticed this, then after a time there was a guy called Zuelan Zima Vavi, and he is the Secretary General of Kosatu. And the mass media here paid scant attention to, to Vavi. But I was watching this guy because Kosatu are the guys who, 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 who get the blacks mobilized on the ground. If they want to strike, if they want to, if they want to burn stuff down, if they want to kill people, then Kosatu are the people who do it. And I saw one day that Vavi gave a speech, and Vavi said that they should take back the ANC. And, and, and the mass media were just laughing at Vavi. And I listened to this, and I thought to myself, you know what? This guy's not playing games. He is linked to the communists, and he doesn't just say stuff like this lightly. And you know, Jeff, Vavi, Vavi gave that speech, and for many months thereafter, Nobody saw or heard a thing. And the next thing you knew was the ANC had its Congress, and when they, their Congress to choose their next leader, because even though Mbeki only had two terms as President of South Africa, 
he could stand for as long as he wanted as president of the ANC. And then, and when all was said and done, everybody was completely shocked when overnight about 60% of the people in the ANC voted, voted for Zuma. And then it was apparent that the communists and Vavi had colluded together and they had retaken the ANC as per their origin, as per his original speech. And this, of course, brings us back to, you will remember in the days of apartheid and the war, the, the whites always said that the communist party controls the ANC. And it appears that when the ANC came to power in 1994, the communists actually started relaxing. And with all the CIA conniving and Mbeki and all the stuff going on, the communists actually let their guard down. And unbeknown to them, Mbeki was quietly taking the ANC over and quietly kicking them out, and nobody really noticed it. They, you know, he actually pulled off quite an amazing thing. But, but when it came to the point that he fired Jacob Zuma, then the communists realized, my God, we've lost the organization that we used to control for decades. And they came back, Jeff. They came back with a vengeance, my friend. Hmm. Well, the communists are very and, good at, uh, at that kind of thing, taking over things from the inside. And, and, Jeff, let me tell you what has happened now. Now Mbeki, after Mbeki was recalled, um, he and those with him decided to abandon the ANC. Now, Mbeki hasn't joined the new party, but but all the people who've left the ANC in the last couple of weeks have been described as Mbeki loyalists. So I refer to them as the Western communists, the guys who are pro-Western. And these guys have started a new party, but from the minute they, they left the ANC, the ANC has been attacking them. When they tried to register a new party, every name that they came up with, the ANC was taking them to court. The ANC, they must have changed their name about five times in the last three okay. weeks. Okay, well, let's, just let's, to try, let's just to take a break here. We, we have to break. It's the half hour for the first uh, segment, for Monday's segment. And I want to thank okay. everybody for listening to this podcast of jaronacquist.com. Uh, and that I hope you'll visit the site on Tuesday and, and download the Tuesday continuation of this discussion with Jan Lamprecht of AfricanCrisis.org. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Jan.